Did the Diamondbacks lose their stranglehold on a wild card spot when they dropped two of three against the New York Yankees? We'll get into a very disappointing series loss to the New York Yankees, discuss which prospects we should pay attention to in the Arizona Fall League, then preview what the Diamondbacks need to do in order to finish the season strong on today's episode of Snakes on the Diamond. And greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 24th episode of Snakes on the Diamond podcast. I am your host, Mike McDermott. My co-host, Wes Beyer, is back after a one-week layoff and, like the Diamondbacks, is hoping to finish the year out strong. That's that's one one way to put it. Uh, Yeah, hopefully the Diamondbacks are doing better uh, going to this White Sox series because that that was embarrassing. This is an awful Yankees team. I mean, they have one good player of uh, two good players stanton and, and garrett cole uh they really should take in two or three is i would have thought so it's kind of disappointing especially after they did so good i uh witnessed them sweeping the cubs which was very nice um good to visit chase field although the churro dog is the most disappointing thing i've had ever yeah talk um, to me in 2011 yeah, it's very it's very disappointing. It's stale. I'm not I'm not happy with what what I could receive. Um, if it wasn't such a hassle, I would have, you know, complained. So, but I'm complaining now, so that's what that's what counts. Um, yeah, if this is uh, the Diamondbacks are in precarious position. This is one of the most chaotic wild card races I've ever seen. But I mean, both the AL and the, and the NL, not just the you know. Then I'll generally if they if they do not win against the White Sox, I mean they're, they're pretty much cooked, uh, in my opinion. I mean, like they need to they, they need to win at least two three. All right, so getting into our first topic of the day, the National League Wild Card race couldn't be any more chaotic this season. We've got four teams vying for the final two playoff spots, with the Diamondbacks at the head of the pack with eighty two wins and the tiebreaker over the Chicago Cubs, who also have eighty two wins followed by the Marlins and the Reds, who have 81 and 80 wins, respectively. So we look at the final the final week's schedule. The Diamondbacks will play at Chicago, as Wes mentioned, play the White Sox, a team that's on pace to lose 100 games. Then they play a Houston team that is fighting for their playoff lives, and we yep. know how much of a pedigree that team has given the run they've done in the last six seasons. Two World Series titles, four AL pennants, and much of that team is still there. They but they are down in the Nash AL West race, but they are currently pacing the final wildcard spot. Then you look at Chicago, and Chicago may arguably have the toughest schedule. They played the Atlanta Braves, who have already won 100 games on the road. Then they have to travel to play the Milwaukee Brewers, a division rival who has already clinched the division, although it's definitely difficult to predict how that series is going to go just based off of just based off the fact that Milwaukee is locked in the three seed, and they might not necessarily be interested in winning to winning for the sake of winning. Then you go down yeah. to the Marlins. The Marlins play the Mets, a team that took two or three against them last week, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have done a great job playing spoiler in their own division, taking back-to-back series against the Cubs and the Reds. And then Cincinnati it goes to Cleveland for two, and then St. Louis to close out their season series. So we look at the season as a whole, it's going to come down to a photo finish 
as Dimebacks pitching coach Brett Strom predicted back on September back on September fifth. We'll play that video. It's liable to come down to uh, you know I, I think about it often. It's liable to come down to uh, game one sixty two with with uh, Kyle Nelson pitching against Jordan Alvarez with runners on second and third and a one run lead in the in the sixth inning. That's what it might come down to. So Kyle Nelson facing Jordan oh. Alvarez with. Multiple runners in scoring position, a one-run lead in the sixth inning on game one sixty-two. That's I uh, just thank thanks, Strom. I really I hope we don't see that. I hope it's uh, the the funny thing is that that's that series against Houston may decide the final wild card spot in in the NL in the NL and AL. Um, I really hope that's not the case. Um, but Strom's a Strom's a very smart guy. He knows his baseball. I think he might end up being right about that. Um, the the Reds have the easiest schedule. I mean, it's based off of what you said. I mean, that's uh, the real thing. But it's worth noting that Houston has lost their last four series, including two, three against the the Royals on the road. Swept, but... And then they and they got swept at home by the Royals. So they've lost their last four series. Um, they're basically choking. Uh, I think the best thing to hope is that they, they – they're just out of it. Uh, the White Sox have lost the last four or six. So, I mean, that's really like, I mean, you, you can make an argument that we have just as easy of an opponent as the Reds do based on how they played recently. But, um, yeah, it could very much go down to game 162. And of course, in the game 162 situation, you know what your starting pitcher is? Johnny Holstaff. Who? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's always gonna be my response. But yeah, no, it's one of those things where you 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 gotta hope that they play better the next, you know, this next series because I think it's more important that they win the against the white if they don't win against the White Sox, it's it's obviously those two hurt. games against they're in a world of hurt. Those two games against the Astros are then a must win. You really don't want to see the scenario that 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 Strom's talking about. You want to see the Diamondbacks win at least. They, I mean, a sweep would be the ideal outcome of the the White Sox series. Um, yeah, that would put yourself at a sweep of the White Sox would put the Diamondbacks eighty five wins, and they just would probably only need to take one against Houston to clinch. And between Gallon and Kelly yeah. in the first two games, a win seems likely. Then you take one of those yeah, things, I, beer shower, and then game one sixty two. Who cares? Yeah, that would be ideal for this team, especially in this, you know, thanks to the the game being canceled on Saturday. Like, it makes their uh, this whole last stretch is that much more strenuous. Like, they're not going to really. Uh, I mean, I mean, there 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 are both pros and cons to, you know, having a day off after the season, you know, right before the playoffs, and then you know, or like a bye. Versus, well, they're going to have to travel know, either Philadelphia or Milwaukee. Yeah. So it's not really. It's a really hectic schedule. The only good thing that, that, that's fortunate for the Diamondbacks is they're all young guys. They should be able to handle the, the jet lag just fine, I would think. They didn't handle jet lag going east pretty well the last that, couple of road yeah, trips. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be, uh, I mean, at least they're going west from here. So uh, that's that's all you can, re- I mean, really, like, I mean, what, what more can you? I mean, the Yankees. Let's not let's not get it wrong. They're still the Yankees. They're still a good team. The Yankees are still going to want to finish on the right side of five. Yeah, because they don't want yeah, they don't want that. 
the Yankees have their pride, and that's really like the, that's that's got to be the key motivator for them. Is you know uh, that honestly, that game against the Diamondbacks maybe one of the least attended games in Yankee history. That stadium's history. There were thirty-five thousand uh, less fans than the announced attendance, and out, outside of maybe twenty twenty, but that doesn't count. So, uh, was it? Yeah, were they? They weren't even in the bubble, were they? It was forty one thousand a day, and I doubt there were even six thousand butts and seats. But that's because that it was a not, rescheduled yeah, that game. Looked, that looked like less than that to me. That really looked like there was maybe five thousand rescheduled game in miserable conditions. I don't. Even, you're you're counting like park staff, <laughs> like the, the ballpark staff. They're if you're ca- using that figure. No, they're counting tickets sold. Yeah, I, I really in terms of like the picture I saw. Uh, today, like they're really hurt. Uh, that looks like you know maybe five thousand people. Series came down to a Kevin Ginkle down in the ninth inning. Ebacks had a four-three lead, and then Ginkle came up a couple hits, and then kind of just lost the strike zone enough. The Yankees were able to take uh, advantage. Yeah, that's you know, I mean, as much as Ginkle has been an asset this year, you know, coming out of the bullpen, it's not unexpected for him to have a, a rough outing. That's were, pretty much that's that's kind of it just happens hopefully you can rebound from it i just that yankee series it i i i think i i mentioned before i mean it's still the yankees it's a dangerous team to stand is a dangerous hitter there are some they didn't do anything on that team. <laughs> and he didn't do anything that's the thing judge did so, a lot in game one yeah and they are yeah, yeah, detained yeah. afterwards yeah, Aaron Judge has been more of a thing. Stans has been decent since he's coming off the DL, but um, and Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. I mean, they're not a bad team. The White Sox no. are a bad team. That's really yeah. The White Sox are a bad team, bad culture. Basically, they're mailing it in the rest of the way. Can't yeah, wait for their season, the, and you gotta you gotta put your thoughts is, on that. This is a series where you, they you, they have to take two, three. It's embarrassing nah, if they don't like, do that. They got they got to sweep them. That's really they want to win going to the postseason. Want, they need to you don't want to you don't want Kyle Nelson facing Jordan Alvarez in Game One Sixty Two with your season yeah. on the line. Got to sweep. No, no, yeah, no, we don't want that. Yeah, you got to sweep the White Sox, or otherwise it's not gonna. There's like no hope. I don't know. I uh, scheduled starters for this series. Um, I believe Zach Davies is going tomorrow, followed by Fott on Wednesday. So game one, Zach Davies going up against Jose Urania. And Urania is basically baseball's punching bag the last five or six seasons as basically, you can call it karmic karmic um, retribution for throwing out Acuna's head back in 27, back in Acuna's rookie season. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely karmic. I mean, it's actually um that's one of the, one of the worst things I've seen in baseball was like the the targeting, like he's very much targeted. Yeah, uh, targeted for hit by pitches. And it's just it, it's not okay to be throwing at a star player to the point of like your the intent was to injure him. It certainly hurt. And, uh, that's like serious. Like that was the intent, of it. and that's like it's a travesty that that. I uh, you know, and he did so. Um, this white this White Sox team, like you said, it's they're gonna, they got a just not great culture. They're really, I uh, we were looking at their stats earlier. I forget who it was. Uh, uh, Luis Rivera has been, uh, you know, is is a 
like he's a you know probably their best player um and then uh, like it's a, it's a big drop off after that um it's just really nice it's, it's unimpressive like you said they've checked out and Romero's checked out too so um yeah I can't I can't really see them uh like I mean yeah you know but knowing the Ironbacks Lux the other gonna get swept by the White Sox and then uh, uh they'll come down to that I don't think their White Sox pitch staff is good enough that they can sweep this three-game series. Yeah, I don't. Even I don't without Gallon right. Kelly, remember without Gallon Kelly, they swept Chicago, the Cubs not too long ago. Just the offense has to show up like it did in that series. Yeah, the and Torrey does a good part. job preventing their starting pitchers from giving up a big inning. I think the only real factor in terms of like uh, the offense, maybe the weather. Chicago is very much <laughs> the weather can be a factor in your. Yeah, that could dampen out that the weather could dampen out home runs. Because guaranteed great field is a home run paradise. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it's it's very much uh like that's the only thing that I really think is a variable in this series. You know, like you you expect like them to at least win a game. I mean, that's really the scenario where you could be looking at this, you know, game one sixty two is if they take one game or they're, you know, I mean two or three things like, you know, the other teams are all, you know. Don't lose that, you know, we're talking about a, a you could end up in that scenario. But I mean, like the the hopefully we're next time we're talking about this, this is not a we, we are celebratory. We're at 84, 85 wins next episode. Yeah, 85, God willing. Yeah. Like I said, we've long theorized over this is between me, Jack, Spencer, James, everyone, Jesse, everyone. We've all theorized circle, that. E six wins baseball people. Yeah, Available circle of baseball people that all theorize that eighty six wins would not would not only make it easy for the D backs to make the playoffs, but also the five seed as well, because they would have the tiebreaker over Chicago. Plus, I think Miami finished with five wins, which is four and two for them. Even though they don't necessarily have it easy the rest of the way, as we learned, Pittsburgh is willing to play spoiler. So if they win the next five games, correct? They have an, they finish with eighty-seven wins. They win five games the rest of the way. It's like bring it on, bring it on, Philly. Should have so, won I mean, the season series against you. That was my preseason prediction was eighty-seven wins. So uh, I'm very. That's the only reason why I invested in that number. Um, I mean, you're going to be the closest on the snake pit to getting that number. Yeah, that's the. I think so i think that like most people were they although i will say i'm still hungry 95 i uh, did predict 90 wins obviously that's not going to happen but he was uh one of the few people aside from me he would only be actually, closer if they went six and no to close out the season yeah that, no so, okay wouldn't. so the d-backs win five if they win the next five the last five games then they uh will i will predict it the Diamondbacks record, although admittedly I did say that it was possible for them to lose 87 games. So well, they're not losing. I, so they're they're not, not, yeah, yeah. So I definitely they're closer to my optimistic projection. So um, that's my hope is that they sweep sweep the White Sox, sweep the sweep the Astros, uh, and yeah, like you said, bring it on Philly. Let's do it. Um, don't right. think I'll be able to get tickets, but you know, maybe. I don't even think I'll get a credential. I don't even think I'll get a credential for a playoff game. 
that would be very good. Be, we'll, yeah, we'll both be watching the play. If the D-backs get in, we'll both be watching from the TV. We'll be watching that from home. Um, I'm going to try to get tickets on Thursday if I can, but I don't know. I mean, if I feel like if, if I, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I want to put money down for it now. Well, I'll uh, just so say let's, this: let's, if you plan on getting tickets to right any of the Houston games, and you wanted to, or you wanted to do like a grand show, you only got you got to do a forty-eight hour show. Let's yeah, play. I need to do that now. I should. Uh, yeah, I'll take care of that. That's a good idea. Uh, let's get into the last segment, which is just uh, the the let's fall talk, league yeah. players. Uh, they, that was just recently announced. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's the the three position players: Ivan Melendez, AJ Vukovic, and Caleb Roberts. Four pitchers are Blake Walston, Austin Pope, Christian Montes de Oca, and Carlos Meza. The only the real names there are we debate on this. I'm more interested in uh, Melendez. Walston and Roberts, you think you're more interested in, in subtract Roberts and replace that with Vukovic. Is that right? Yeah. So look, so which players should be, so we were talking about which players you want to pay attention to the most in the fall league. Obviously the t- highest three ranked prospects in the D back system that are going to fall league. You got Melendez and Walston who you can make an argument for being a top 10 prospect in the system. Vukovic is not too far behind those two. Those are the three guys in my opinion, you got to watch. Because when you look at Melendez, obviously the power, the home runs are the first thing that comes into mind. He's hit 30 home runs and 426 plate appearances. If you extrapolate yeah. that out to a full minor league season, 500 plate appearances, he would have hit like 33, 35 home runs. Yeah, he is the. Are you saying Melendez or, or Bukovic? Melendez. Melendez, Bukovic Melendez has. Far. Yeah, he's not that far behind. Uh, you know, the funny thing is actually all those pitchers. I'm, I'm more interested in. in uh, like I think Austin Pope is more intriguing as like a, you know, potential dark horse Milga. pitching prospect, uh, you know, relief pitcher. I don't think he's started any games. Um, Not he's, since he's 2020. Had, he's been he's had a nice rebound season, so it's definitely someone he's looked really good out of the bullpen. That's someone to kind of keep an eye on if you care about the Diamondbacks bullpen. I I think Melendez is the real thing. Is is like how much of it is. Uh, like his power, I'd love to see exit velocity numbers. I know uh, I don't think we can get that for double A. Uh, Not for double A, but you can for the fall league if they're at Salt For the fall league. So that's the real thing that I I want to keep an eye on is uh, his, his exit velocity and what his exit velocity, you know, the home runs that he's hitting, you know, like the hard hit balls. Wh- how fast is uh, – you know, is he able to? Because there's some questions about if he can pick up the fastball over a certain speed. I know you've raised that question privately before, and I don't really, I don't even know. That's it. So, I mean, that's too. what I, I okay. I so, think I mean, he's going to, I think he can be had by high velocity fastballs up in the zone. Yeah, that's, that seems to be a real question. I mean, there's definitely uh, other scouts who identified holes in the swing. I can see the holes in the swing. Dude does look like he could, you know, like he has the build of a guy that you, like he looks like expected like 40 his, homers yes like his his role like he very much looks like the guy for the role that he plays okay like big big slugging jack first baseman third baseman i don't think he's a third baseman i think he's a first i don't baseman. think the arm plays the third that's the only reason i don't think he'd stick you know, yeah i don't think he's gonna stick Vukovic is uh interestingly was a third base and he did more outfield than anything so there's a guy who hasn't stuck a third base 
Caleb Roberts also been all over the place. I think just seeing, I mean, he's, Roberts he's a is a guy that outfielder. best case scenario is your 26th man on the roster. Yeah. Cause he's a left-hand I, back I, I, emergency catcher can platoon the outfield, but I don't think you're yeah. talking about necessarily someone who's going to move the needle that draft much I, for the Diamondbacks. I'm more, I think the real uh, thing with him is looking at his defense in the outfield and at these positions, because you don't always get, you know, that good of a look. How does he, I mean, that's the thing. You're looking at two different things with, you know, these, these like, I, I don't, I honestly don't know enough about uh, Montes de Oca or Meza. They're both international prospects. Uh, I know Montes de Oca signed for a decent amount. Um, he was a pretty old signing. He was twenty one. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, he was old for for the time. I know he was like he might have been. I, I think there was some some issues in, in his immigration, something like that. I I know there's 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 a story behind it. I don't know it off the top of my head, but he's a guy that like I don't even know anything about him. I just like to see, uh, you know, get a better look at like I mean, your... what they have to offer. I think that's really like that's a real thing. I know he was. I know one of these guys is injured. Is your run of the mill, give him a cup of coffee type relief prospect. Yeah. Mid 90s so, velocity, good slider, but not necessarily any particular standout trait. I don't have any, I don't have much intel on Mesa because there's not really any. There's nothing on him. He's only been, he's there's only no, been, there's really nothing on him. I think he's been under contract for like two years. So, and then you, really like, it's been brief, but he's moved quickly and he's left handed. So, like, there's, there's definitely, uh, I mean, like, his potential left handed. I, Walston's the one that, like, I really, I don't think that yeah, Walston's a tough read. <laughs> it's a tough read. You look at his peripherals, and they're just confusing, and uh, I don't know what to make of them. I'd love to, you know, I know you're going to get to talk to him hopefully soon. And I feel like question of what's going a lot on of the walk. I feel like with the walks, it's a combination of not necessarily giving in to certain hitters, certain counts in certain situations, but also I, I believe he was also trying to learn a new pitch. I know that's that's got to be part of it. He's working on because he's got his four seam fastball is very hittable for major league standards. He throws it over the plate. Yeah, and so he's been working thing, on a cutter. I don't know if the cutter is the slider that he had last year or not. If he debuted it last year or if he's added it just this year. And of course, he's got a good changeup curveball combination too. And there's always the value of a left hander that can command a a good changeup. That's just what I was in this say. league. Is that like if, if it wasn't for that, I would probably completely have written off like Walton as as a bust. I'll be honest. If he was right-handed, he was right-handed with a good changeup. He's still playing. I don't. I don't know if I don't. I mean, if, if the same results as different-handedness, I don't know if he'd really you would really put much stock into him. It's hundred percent just being left-handed. Yeah, like I said, that's his baseball right there. Is that left-handed with this, decent? Role and he's, good second. He's gonna have a major. He's gonna second. have a major league career. Teams are gonna give him a uh, give him a flyer just based on that of just having decent enough velocity and being left-handed. That's good enough. So yeah, if you look at the left-right splits, and obviously it's uh, not very good when you look at strikeouts and walks. Although he held left-handers to one eighty-nine average and a six fifteen OPS, they didn't really. Sl- well, they were getting on base all the time against him. They didn't really slug him. I guess that's one good thing you can say about Walston's season. And so, and you got but the problem is, uh, you look break it down month by month. He's only had two months this season in which he had at least nine more strikeouts than walks, and that's in May and September. 
that's something that yet at least he's finishing better so that's like a good that's good uh having a good finish is definitely something that you want to see uh what are you looking for in the in the in the off season in, in the fall league over like, I wanna, what do you I wanna see what, him. what do you want to see out of walson that's what the question strikes. more throw strikes, throw strikes. is there swing and walks, is, is, get out does he have swing and miss on the secondary stuff that can overcompensate for a weak fastball is the well, how's the cutter look is it a legit pit? Is it a legit pitch, or is he still, or is it pitch mix just simply not good enough to play in the major leagues? That's kind of what you have to look for there. If he gets lit up in the fall league, it's going to be very concerning. But if his stuff play is major league quality, he's going to carve right through that. Yeah, that's if it's major league quality gonna... stuff in command, he is going to annihilate the competition in the fall league. These are double A hitters. He's facing. Yeah, he should, he should do very. I mean, that's the expectation that you want to see out of. Him see him dominate uh the guys in the fall legs because he's, he's much more advanced than most of these guys and there's a big jump between double a to triple a sometimes kind of pcl texas league is kind of uh kind of a wash opinion. <laughs> that's the only yeah. thing is that there it's the other leagues uh there's less of a jump but like it, it's i don't man like the the minor league jumps like the, the way it's structured now. It's very hard to to compare environments between like the Eastern League and the PCL. Uh, I mean, basically, you know, it's the, a little the Southern League versus with... the the Texas League is a huge difference in pitching environments. Like, I mean, yeah. they're night and day. That's really my point. Yeah, and you like look if at you compare uh, apples to oranges. There's there's a really big it's difference. real in the Southern League ballparks. It is really hard to hit a home. Versus some of the PCL yeah. ball, like PCL and Texas League ballparks. And why. if you look at Am- Amarillo, obviously is the most home run inflating ballpark in comparison. Yeah, then that's the thing is it's like you you compare these. The Southern League is def- it has, has had a reputation for being one of the most pitcher friendly uh, leagues. Of, I mean, the Eastern League or like International League, I don't know what they're calling it. International League, I guess. Uh, International League's Triple A. Yeah, so I'm I'm saying like comparing the PCL, okay, to the international really league, and like you can't, they're not like that's the thing. It's very hard to get a read on some of these guys. So like the double A guys, uh, in so here's like if you're lucky enough to have an affiliate in the Southern League and International League for your Triple A and Double A, uh, those are much more comparable environments to what you know players are going to face in the major leagues as opposed to the Texas league and the PCL. And that's why I think it's one of the biggest challenges of any of these guys is this sadly, the NFL is probably the most normalized pitching environment that they'll face. uh, Coming, going Yeah, because it's the the same environment as their home ballpark. If the roof were open. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's still not ideal. So I mean, it's that, I mean, Chase Field's a neutral makes, ballpark, but uh, when the roof's closed. No, I mean it's a neutral ballpark. Period. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think there's, uh, I mean, the main difference know, you look at Salt River Fields, obviously compared to Chase Field, I think it's going to play. Arizona Fall League's going to play a little bit more towards the hitter than Chase Field will because yeah, there's no roof. Outside. There's no AC. There's no roof, it's outside. And there's oh, no well, AC. that's not... Di- well, I guess you could say there's not much of a difference, but there's no AC. But it's October, yeah. so it's not as bad. 
it, it's it grass instead how, of turf, so it's going to play like hard depends. grass, hard infield, especially if you're playing a day yeah. game. Like the I mean, ball's going to jump. Weather. I mean, it, to me, it just depends on the weather. If it, if ball's going to jump. Warm October, the ball I'm sure they use the humidor, jump. though. It still jumps in the fall. It's, yeah, they do now. I know they do. Um, they, hmm. they, it's just it's one of those things that like I really hopefully there's some decent weather because this is like probably like I said the most normal that that would be the most normalized environment that like Blake Walston will have pitched in the last three years since leaving Hillsboro basically yeah and uh that's after, about a month in the last season okay so I mean in Hillsboro even then it's uh, the other way around it's the other way around but the rest of uh like the the, like the, the whole thing is like the weather now is you can't consistently say like the south southern league texas league they have very hot weather this summer i mean you're on the gulf coast for the and you're on the gulf coast so it's very humid it's very hot uh it's it's just a weird i mean like that's the thing i want to see if blake walston can uh you know get these guys out i mean like that's really the bottom line is like you need to have a dominant uh, you know, go at the AFL, and then you want to see Melendez. You want to see Melendez hit homers, out. but you don't want to not, but not strike out and draw walks. The pitching that's in that's the what I was. All league should, is not very good. He like it's weaker than the what he faced in Texas. Striking out in a over a third of his at bats. I want to see him striking out in like a quarter of his at bats at most. He's not. He's not going to be facing ten percent. Yeah, no, yeah, these are all fringy guys. He should he should annihilate them. Uh, Not necessarily annihilate, but have a good performance. Vukovic, you want to see, you know, he's... Crush lefties, look comfortable in the outfield. Yeah, that's the real thing. You want to see him comfortable in the outfield. You want to make sure that uh, he, you know, he's not going to be giving you batting average. He's going to give you more on-base percentage and slugging, so... Well, Vukovic doesn't really walk. This is the weird yeah, thing. yeah, that's the real problem with him. But I mean, you want to see the slugging in the defense. See if he's comfortable in the outfield. Uh, Caleb Roberts, same thing. Roberts is just—can he play the? Is he competent against right-handed the, pitching? Yeah, is he competent at right, right-handed pitching? Uh, is he competent at fielder? I mean, he has a good reputation defensively, actually. Um, who? Caleb Roberts. No, I mean, where from who? Who's from who? I just I. I forget who who I've like who I heard that like where I read that, but like just in terms of in the outfield, he looked like I had scout rear scouting order. Like he looks decent in the outfield and like above we'll average, especially for Well, we'll see how he looks in the fall league. You could, a guy could have a good day defensively, and he looks better than he actually. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I would like to I mean, see that. Look, like for example, if you compare to Guriel, Guriel is a type of guy that you're you're how you think of him defensively. It's literally what day you see. Like if you saw him at the beginning of the Bring season, on. he looked terrible. You see him yeah, after June, uh, since the second half, it's like he looks great. Yeah, he looks he looks he looked fine. Uh, it's like he looks more. Yeah. He looks he looks good. Yeah, no, I, I just now, of course, wanted, uh, I really like to see his, his Dave McKay's not going to be in the fall league. He'll be too busy coaching in the probably coaching the playoffs for the first week of the fall league. God willing. Uh... So when you uh, so when we look at. Like I said, Austin Pope is a guy that could possibly pitch out of the bullpen 24 as a middle guy, up and down arm. Decent yeah. fastball, good slider, curveball. This is a playable pitch. I think that's what you're wondering about him. I mean, yeah. none of the relievers they're sending to the fall league are going to be back. 
Carlos Mesa is there is almost a zero percent probability that I mean he's a left hander. He also got he's just he's just sniffed what double A. I think and Jake AD. Rice is your typical left-handed reliever sinker slider. Uh, Jake Rice. I, I have Montez de Oca and Jake low ninety sinker and a mid, low eighties breaking ball. Typical left-handed up down arm. So if you're looking at that, you're, the only pitcher really that you want to pay too much attention to again is Walston because Walston is the guy that will get opportunities as a starting pitcher. Yeah. Whereas these other guys are up and down arms. I have a feeling of being an up and down arm. Maybe they stick. If they don't. And yeah, you, that's and the thing. With, and then the two hit the two hit hitting prospects, everyone's going to be paying attention to Vukovic and Melendez. Those are guys... D-backs need guys that can provide power in the lineup, and then because Walker's got one more season of control after this season, and he's the only guy in the roster that could hit thirty home runs, unless Corbin Carroll yeah. suddenly has a year where he hits a lot of home runs. And your yeah, next best power point, is Carroll, who's a twenty-five homer guy. You got Carol and Marte are twenty-five homer guys. Then you dig down a little bit in the lineup. Okay, who's the next most likely guy to hit twenty homers? A Lawler in peak years, maybe. I mean, yeah, that's the Lawler thing. Maybe. It's like that, you really don't have a lot of opt. Like, I mean, that's really the one area where the Diamondbacks are hard tapped for depth is uh, first base. So, I mean, you really you want to see uh, Melendez actually like how confident is he defensively too? Because he's like how did look at the not a bad record. Look at the uh, Salt River roster. I don't know if he'll get the at bats though. Oh, he'll get the bats. Remember, he can play first base. I think he's definitely not a, a definitely not a third baseman. I don't know why. So we look at the infielders. That. Jace Young's gonna probably be the second baseman. Uh, Lee, middle infielder. Hayley Vukovic is an infielder, but he's about as much an inf- about as likely to stick yeah. on major league infield as you and I. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, outfielder seems to be his home with maybe an emergency appearance at some point, you know. Unless there's uh, some like improbable reason that base. he can play third. Suddenly learned how to play third. Because yeah. when I look at Vukovic as a third baseman, he's got the arm but the hands and the yeah, hands are inconsistent and also but work is not, not consistent at all. There's just, he needs to put in a lot of work to be a major everyday third baseman. Looks like Drew Romo's getting back-to-back appearances looking at their roster. Romo was on the Fall League roster last year. Hmm, that's unusual. But yeah, I'm looking at other corner infielders. I'd... On this... Dylan Thompson? I thought Dylan Thompson was an outfielder. Dave McCabe's listed as a third baseman in Atlanta's system. He was in... Uh... Carolina League, so I think he's in low A. Low A, high A. And the Fall League begins next week, probably next Friday, something like that. Sterling Thompson's not an infant. They moved him to first base. That's really the only question is, is would he get the at-bats? Uh, it sounds like a maybe to me. Um... I think that just about wraps it up, dude. No, I don't think so. 
I'm just looking at options. Who would knock Melendez out of the infield? I don't know who. I mean, because uh, Thompson played some games in right field, second base. And then Young, obviously, first and second base, but I think they're going to play him at second. And the Detroit's going to play Young at second because Torkelson's their first baseman. I'm going to double check on Brannigan. They could, they Brannigan. could DH Melendez, but you want to see him at first. Yeah, you want to see him at first base. Although they may try to they may try to fake it at third base when they first call him up. Same with Vukovic. You can never discount that possibility. But based on the roster, I would say Melendez is more likely to play more games at first base. So if we break yeah. uh so Melendez, so I'm gonna do a game breakdown. It should show up on his minor league page. How many games at each position? So in twenty three he played 36 game, 35 starts at first and 56 at third. I think he's a third baseman. I just don't see it. I mean, it's hard to evaluate defense just based on feeling percentage. Obviously, nine errors in 500 innings isn't necessarily horrible if he's got good range in hands. I think he does, you know, which I think he does, but obviously, my main concern is the arm. Yeah, I mean, and I do I, think Melendez will be the Diamondbacks' priority play player. On that roster, I would think so. And then Melendez is their priority. I mean, sorry, Walston is their priority pitcher. Yeah, I would think so. Walston will start. Melendez will probably play games at first. uh, Play games at first and third. I said, there's not. They don't really have. There isn't really a first baseman on that roster. So he should. So Melendez should get opportunities at first base. Yeah, that's where I expect him to start. But you want to see him if he's an acceptable. Like, we really don't. I mean, uh, there's just not a lot of options at first base in the minor, in the minor league for the Diamondbacks. It's like a pretty fair If Melinda's uh, bat off, plays off, in the major leagues, he's, he's fine. It's fine for first base. If he's a 250 hitter with yeah. 40 bombs, he'll yeah, take You're it. fine with that. It's Pete Alonso. I think Pete Alonso's a 240 hitter. It could be wrong. That's Pete Alonso, dude. Or, like, I guess uh, well, that's, one of the Chris Davis. One of the Chris Davises. The P. Alonzo is a 251 hitter. Yeah. And, and per yeah. 162 has 46 homers. We'll take that. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. I would totally take I mean, that's it, actually who I my, my top for Melendez at this point is probably like Pete Alonzo. But if we want to compare, and I'm going to compare Alonzo's strikeout. Alonzo walks, I think, Pete Alonzo is striking out just as much. I don't know about like like thirty three percent or like whatever third like this ridiculous one hundred forty six strikeouts and six hundred thirty two. That's So if you look at the fall right. league, uh, Alonso struck out twenty eight times one hundred twelve plate appearances, so one every four, basically. Yeah. So you want to see which for Melendez is fine. Yeah, that's that that's strikeout rate twenty five percent. Keep him going. I mean, the last place, the last time I looked, his he was striking out in like over a third. Remember when Walker uh, first came up, he was striking out twenty five percent of the time. Now, of course, yeah, Walker's I, striking out less than twenty percent now. But I also thought Walker yeah, has I a mean, better hit tool than people gave credit. For. Yeah, I mean, I think he certainly has the makeup to to you know improve in the areas that he needs to, in like terms of defense and uh, just cutting down on this. The, the you know. Just working on the play discipline. I mean, that's, that's the reason Alonzo, why Alonzo, before he went to the fall league, actually split time between double A AA and triple A. So clearly he was more than a match for the level. 
I just my Pete Alonso caught my eyes some more way than Melinda did of just hitting bombs. Like every time the, the I, I Six every time and one of games. the Diamondbacks affiliates would play them. I mean, they, they he would be like hitting bombs. I was gonna say Melendez's biggest problem is when I see those home run highlights, these are fastballs at 90, 91 down in the zone. Yeah. And breaking ball strike mistakes. Yeah. But everyone can hit but that's that's where I'm seeing the home runs off coming off of. Yeah, that's not, not like necessarily the pitches I want to see him hit home runs off of. Yeah. Can he turn I around ninety five velocity? Yeah, that's what I want to see in him. Can he turn around ninety five on the inner third of the plate? That's a question they were asking about Goldie when he came, before he came up. Yeah. Could he turn so, on velocity? The ninety five was much I harder in twenty eleven than ninety five. Can he hit can he turn around ninety five? It'll be very telling if he's, you know, what they do with Melendez. Uh, I don't, is he on the, I don't know if he's on the 40 man roster. I don't think he is. They will not, Melendez uh, will not be on the 40 man roster until he's promoted to the big leagues. Not yeah, a minute before. Not. The only reason that would be not the case, because Melendez is a 22 draft pick, would be if he gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. Or he's basically giving the organization, or he's just telling the organization to screw off, basically. That's the only. Wait, I see it. Yeah, pretty, I mean, Walston is the one actually. I would say he's rule five. He's rule five eligible. Walston's not uh, going to be. El- uh, Walston's not going to be subjected to rule five unless he gets it. Unless he suffer. Unless his elbow falls out. I, you know, hey, he is. A, I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah, take, I was going to say with Walston taking Walston. If you need, I mean, if you really Walston's like not going to be out of him. available to take in the rule five draft unless he suffers a bad arm injury. We keep well, no, he's 20. he's rule five eligible this December. If he's not on the forty man roster, they don't put him on the forty man before. I think that. you're misreading. They what expose I'm saying. him. They're no, not going to expose him. My point. Yeah, no, I'm saying if they don't, if they if they do oh. they expose him, if Walson's available draft, in the rule five draft, he goes first overall. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That says a lot. If the Diamondbacks leave him exposed, that means that they do not believe that he has a future with the team. I mean, it'd be it'd be a pretty drastic change. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was twenty two years old in Triple A. Yeah, this says a lot. That and it has a exposure to the Rule Five potential starter so, arsenal, even if the results weren't there this year. Yeah, I don't I don't see it happening. No. But if they do, it's that's not. one thing that you can. It's a very big red flag if they leave him exposed. That's all. I'm the only saying. way he's exposed is if he suffers a bad arm injury, can't pitch in time. Yeah. Yeah, if he's injured, sure. Yeah, and then he's not. And then he's gonna get clear the rule five draft because he can't pitch. Pass the medical. You can get medicals on him before you select him, unless your team is hiding it, which is like teams have gotten in trouble for that. Um, yeah, the D-backs don't do that. The D-backs don't do that. So uh, that that either says that he's injured or you know the D-backs don't. Believe, they, they're gonna make that move. I don't know who they're gonna replace. You know, there's lots of there's lots of moves they can make. Especially there's some some fringe guys on the roster now. I'm not going to say anyone in particular, but uh, certainly there's some moves to be made. That's going to wrap up today's episode. If you enjoyed it, make sure to click that subscribe button, like, comment down below. Who do you think will have the best performance in the fall league between Melendez, Vukovic, Caleb Roberts, Blake Walson? Who do you feel will have the, the best performance? We'll be talking about that in November. And who, We'll be talking about the most in November. We'll get to there. So again, uh, with the season winding up, we got two more podcast episodes covering the regular season, which we'll do Friday and Monday. And the Monday, 
far as like say Black Monday, the day after the season ends, then we'll be just talking about whether the D backs made in the postseason or if they blew a very winnable chance. And then we'll be yep. in the offseason, we'll talk about the fall league and the postseason and whatnot. So you want to be here for that. So if you don't want to miss a video, hit that I hit that bell icon as well. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, make sure to follow the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Recommend it to your friends. Share video, share audio, whatever you got to do. And we'll see you again, like I said, on Friday, talking about the White Sox series. So any last words, Wes, before we uh, head on out? Uh, hopefully we have postseason podcast episodes. That's really my – I want to see them sweep the rest of the – Next three, next, you know, three games, and then the last two against the Astros. So then I can gloat. Yeah, depending gloat on what happens, we may do a postseason pod- live, live special. I, there if, will if be a live reaction to me gloating. And I know you all want to see that. So, yeah, uh, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And, uh, yeah, tell us your predictions as well about the uh, the postseason and, like, what they're going to do, what you think they're going to do against the White Sox.